This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. This episode is about accelerated self-healing and its fundamental principles. The mind, the body, and the spirit are mutually interactive and interdependent. All three are essential to optimize self-healing, life quality, and spiritual development. Self-healing is an innate, intelligent, and self-organizing process. The self-healing process targets a limited number of casual factors to address at any given time in order to optimize function and longevity. Priorities shift when new issues are encountered, when a change in activity puts demands on different pathways, and when healing processes are completed. The lack of access to materials, energy, or information essential to the completion of a prioritized healing action appear as a distortion or loss of coherence in the body field, biofield. Distortions in the body field tend to remain over time in the absence of essential material, energetic, and informational support. Chronic distortions in the body field become fossilized over time as structural alterations and degenerative changes. Introduction of remedies carrying essential matter, energy, or information as a stimulus to the body field produces a measurable response of increased coherence in the body field. Self-healing is accelerated when the body field is coherent, indicating that the essential remedies are present. All systems are working together efficiently on the same team rather than divided into separate working groups. Typically, 85% of accelerated self-healing is the active cascading response to adding the presence of essential stimuli. Ingesting natural remedies that carry essential matter, energy, and information typically activates the coherence and acceleration response for up to 24 hours from the time of ingestion, similar to the bowel transit time. Accelerated self-healing typically completes the prioritized healing activity within about a month with essential daily support and other related topics. Valeria interviews Dr. Glenn Swartout, a best-selling author with a dozen health books in print for accelerated self-healing. Dr. Glenn Swartout is the wizard of wellness. He is also the developer of the clinical theory of everything. Dr. Glenn Swartout graduated magna cum laude with honors in environmental earth sciences and chemistry from Dartmouth College. He received his doctorate at the top of his class in vision science with honors in optics as well as leadership, being inducted into both Beta Sigma Kappa and the Gold Key Honors Societies. He interned at the State University of New York in Manhattan, where he trained at the largest outpatient vision clinic in the world. 
He served as editor, vice president, and president of the American Optometric Student Association, serving 4,000 international student doctor members. He is the author of over 50 professional papers, books, and software programs. His first professional office was in Tokyo, Japan. For the last 30 years, Dr. Glenn Swartout has focused on developing his system of accelerated self-healing. The process starts with a biocommunication called biofield analysis, which he developed out of a variety of German electrodiagnostic techniques. His healing ministry now spans the globe with healing clients on every inhabited continent. The methods optimized the innate healing potential of your body, independent of particular symptoms or diagnosis. He has helped thousands of people get off drugs and avoid surgery. Dr. Glenn Swartout is also available as a guest speaker and as a consultant. In his energy research, he rediscovered the frequency known in ancient China and Tibet as the dominant harmonic frequency of nature. Here is the interview with Dr. Glenn Swartout. In your own words, who is Dr. Glenn Swartout? I'm a healer, I would say, uh, and I recognize that we're all our own healers. And so I... Through my own healing experience over the years, which has been uh, extensive, I've been able to integrate and implement many methods that help me uh, in order to help my patients and now my clients, coaching clients. Yeah, that sounds really good to me. And um, I have lots of questions here for you to explore that. But before we talk about the fundamental principles for accelerated self-healing, I have a few warm-up questions. The first one is a very general one. What is life to you? Life to me is the life of the soul, the spirit, which is the seat of our consciousness. I believe that we're here in, have, as spiritual beings in a biological body experience uh, in order to learn and grow and develop. We're in a material world that allows us to take things linearly, sequentially, make mistakes, learn from them, make corrections, to grow and develop. Oh, it's simply the human experience, right? Yeah, I like that. What do you think is the opposite of life, Dr. Glenn? I think the opposite of life is not a thing. It's like a, the opposite of light is, is shadow or darkness, which is not a thing in itself. So the opposite of life is just a lack of of recognition and awareness and appreciation for the beauty of life. We suffering and, and death, you know, could be we could see as opposed to life, but actually suffering is is really how we grow. When we face challenges in life and move through them, even if we don't totally overcome those challenges, the, the flip side of that challenge is the spiritual growth that comes from it. Like let's say a person who loses their vision and develops their hearing so they can actually hear things that we don't hear. And, and death is really actually a rebirth. You know, when the baby comes out from the womb, they're dying to that one life that's where they can only see as far as they can touch and the, there's limited colors. There's only red light filtering through the blood and the womb. And they come out into a, a much larger world where we can see the stars. And, and so I see death as a transition into the life that follows this, which in the, that progression is to our, our transcendent life and to uh, a timeless uh, life, an eternal life. What is well-being to you? Well-being is, is our potential 
you know, we have certain degrees of function that gives us well-being, whether it's our body function, ability to move, our, our mind, our ability to think and be aware and appreciate. Uh, the spirit has an ability to serve that, that function of consciousness and the ability to grow and develop. And I believe the spirit actually has a, what I think of as a physical form. It's, it's not a material form in the sense of a hard substance that's impenetrable, but it's, a, it's a, an immaterial substance that's made of, a, has a mineral substrate to it that's in its nature it carries consciousness and is transcendent of, of dimensions like time and space. And that's how our mind is able to, you know, recall the past and actually be present in the past or receive a vision of the future that's, that's actually veridical or true, a true perception. So you explained the spirit. A lot of people, they sort of connect the spirit to the mind, but in a way you have different definitions or different ways of explaining these phenomena. So what is the body? What is the mind? What is the spirit? which you already talked about a bit, energy and information. Right. So, so you know, we think of the body as a material object, right? It's a biological entity uh, that's made out of, you know, we learn in school, it has solid components like bones or connective tissue, sinews. Uh, it has liquids like uh, the, the blood or the lymph. Uh, and it has... has uh, gaseous elements. We certainly need oxygen. We breathe out carbon dioxide and those are in solution in the liquids in the body. But uh, with, with modern science, we, we now really understand that those three states of matter are just three out of multiple, at least five, that I consider essential in terms of understanding how the body and the mind and the spirit all work together in this life. That we have to add an understanding of, of plasma, which the name in physics for plasma, like plasma, if you look at a light bulb, that's a glow mode plasma, or a fire, a flame, that's a glow mode plasma, or lightning, or it's a spark of electricity, that's, that's a discharge of, of plasma, uh, an arc mode, and that's a different, really a different state of matter, but it's all considered plasma as a state of matter. And there's also dark mode plasma, which is happening in the body, like the name plasma for that cosmic sense of plasma in physics was named after the biological plasma of the plasma in our blood or the cytoplasm, the plasma in the cell. And what is a plasma? It's, it's just a substance. It can be kind of gaseous or liquid like in the body, but it's electrical. It has electrically charged uh, components, ions, that are able to carry electrical charge and therefore they move and operate according to the laws of electromagnetism rather than the laws of liquids or gases, which are more kind of mechanical and very much more simple. Uh, and, and the reason they named the, the, the plasma they saw in the sky with the aurora borealis after the plasma in the body is that it moves the same. It moves according to those laws of electromagnetism. It moves in in channels uh, called Birkeland currents. That's how, like how blood moves in blood vessels, or nerve current moves in our nerves, and how also how direct current electricity moves in our meridians, the electrical circuits of the connective tissue of the body. And then the the fifth, the fifth state of matter that's really a breakthrough is a condensate uh, called a Bose-Einstein condensate, named after two physicists who first proposed the idea, they could envision it, 
uh, Bose from India and, and Einstein, of course, everyone knows. And uh, in the 1990s, there was research done where the other physicists finally in the laboratory were able to to document and prove that, yes, that state of a condensate does exist. It's very different. It acts like a quantum. And we know the quantum world of a single atom or a subatomic particle is, is a very strange world. Uh, it doesn't operate the way material substance does. It operates more like fields and waves and thoughts. And it's it's a... Uh, it can move through, one can move through the other, like the spirit, the ghost in the body can move in a body, and we can have an outer body experience and the spirit come back into the body, and, and then we're seeing through the biological eyes. But when people have outer body experiences, they're not seeing through the biological eyes, the, 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 the brain is flatlined, the heart's not pumping, the, the biological body is clinically dead, it's not operating, and yet a person will come back from that experience having seeing their body from an outside the body perspective. They may have heard what people were saying. Uh, and and they, they report actually that the vision isn't limited the way our biological vision is limited to 180 degree field of view. They actually see all the way around themselves in a complete sphere of vision. So the, the, the spirit, the soul has this innate capacity for consciousness, for vision, for hearing. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating subject to me as a vision scientist and working with healing and seeing how important the consciousness and the, and the spirit are to our, our potential to heal. When we're working with people blinding eye diseases and they overcome those in, in conditions that are were considered to be irreversible, you know, the textbooks say it's irreversible, like macular degeneration is considered the most common cause of irreversible blindness in, in modern cultures. And yet we've had people with who are already legally blind who regained functional vision. So we know that so much is possible with the right attitude and then the right action. That we're, we're, we're basically nature deficient in our culture. And that's why it's the condition of modern industrial culture that we're so removed from, from the, you know, the, the earthly realm that our biological bodysuit is designed for of plants the nutrients and natural energies of the, the Schumann field of the earth. And, you know, the, we need to uh, at least learn how to restore those energies and information and material substances from herbs and from nature that our body is designed to heal in response to. Is the mind and the spirit sort of the same thing? They're really among the most difficult words and concepts to, to pin down because of their nature in that realm of consciousness and spirit and soul and mind, even emotions, it's, they're, they're so fluid. They're, the, the nature of condensates that I believe is the holy grail, the, the cup that holds the consciousness, it's super fluid, it's super conducting, it can bilocate, it, it, it moves at the speed of thought. When we think about, for, for another illustration that, that really helped me understand it is when they study remote viewing and remote healing where a, a trained subject is, is thinking about some distant place uh, or, or an animal or person uh, that, that needs healing. And they can actually measure quantum energetic changes in that remote field. It's not within their, their biological vision, but within the, the, mind, the mind's eye vision. So when they're seeing that healing and they can measure healing taking place, they can also measure a change in the energy field at the same time. So the mind, the vision of the mind extends beyond our line of sight. We can, you know, 
have people separated by thousands of miles and like in in prayer prayer healing studies uh, healing studies, people that are being prayed for that he, heal better than the the control subjects they don't know they're in the the group that's being prayed for the people praying for them all they have usually is a photograph of the person not their name or their condition or their location so so information you know the 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 substrate what the physicists realize uh, many of them is that that the that consciousness really is the underlying reality of the material nature of what we see, feel, hear, touch. So, in a way, only consciousness exists. In a way, yes, but certainly the, in a very real way, all these other things do exist as well. But in their core, at their at their most fundamental source, the source is consciousness. The real. Just like our thoughts are real and they have real effects. If I uh, make an act of the will, I can move my hand. That has a, a real effect on the physical manifestation in the world. So going back to my warm-up questions, what is the meaning of freedom to you? The meaning of freedom to me is the capacity to have choice. And and that there's a wonderful quote that I came across that I have... Uh, on the wall here to remind me, it's from hundreds of years ago, uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas, and how he, uh, you know, had this thought at that time. It still amazes me. It's the power of nutrition enables one to exercise the senses, and from sensory experience, the intellect gains concepts, and so the will is freed to choose. So. To me, that's the, the, the purpose of healing. You know, why do we want to heal the eyes? Well, because vision is our dominant sense as human beings, and it gives us an information base about the world in which we can move freely and choose to, you know, turn right or left or avoid, uh, you know, danger or approach something that's of value. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And what is your vision for a new reality? To me, the greatest need is to recognize that we are, we are designed, we are made as, and our purpose is as spiritual beings to be self-governing, self-regulating. You know, have, uh, we have worldly, earthly government, you know, man's laws and govern, governance. It really exists for the case where we're not governing ourselves. You know, if you're governing yourself, you're not harming anyone, then that's, when we really, we need to have that freedom uh, to be able to live our lives, to learn and grow and develop, and even to make mistakes, to make errors. Uh, and uh, there's a saying I love that, that the only real mistakes are the ones we haven't learned from yet. And fortunately, we can also learn from others' mistakes and avoid having to go through them <laughs> ourselves. I agree. So, that's a real benefit. But to be able my vision would be of to move toward a world where our social governance or regulation of each other is is nonviolent. Right now, we have a world system of laws that comes from originally, I guess, the as far back as we know, the law of Hammurabi, which governed war and governed commerce, the law of the sea, which which is where. You know, we we try to extract value from each other. We're really trying to extract the life force, the life energy from other beings. And uh, see us more and more come to a, a point of realizing 
that that's really not to our benefit. Our benefit that, that there's actually an unlimited amount of value because value is created by the human heart, and so can we're each a source of value. We can create value, and there's abundance in that that we can give to others. And there's another favorite saying that the full payment for any gift is gratitude. We appreciate the gift. That's, you know, in, in commerce, there's this idea that there's an exchange, that one, a, a good or a service is exchanged for money. And really, money is a token of appreciation. So if we can kind of get to where we separate those and we can give our tokens of appreciation of whatever, whatever sort we like, uh, or just actually receiving of the gift and appreciating that gift is the full payment. You know, when you give a gift to someone, if they don't appreciate it, really, there was no value in the gift. Darn, they didn't didn't use that. They didn't appreciate it. They didn't get value out of it. But if they, you know, somebody, wow, that was so great. Whether we charged money or we, we gave out of service, out of love, uh, the real value is that we're helping each other. Speaking of gratitude and nonviolence and kindness, what is love to you? Love, I would I envision as a wormhole from the heart to something, which can be in the truth, in reality, in the truth. It can be in fiction. We we have the capacity to attach our hearts, our will, our desire to anything that that the mind can conjure. And so, to the degree that we attach our hearts to the highest possible order of things, which would be the source. You know, if we're if we love the d- divine source of which we are a living part, a cell in God's body is a beautiful way to say it. Uh, then we're part of that, and our hearts—that's our navigation as beings. I mean, our, our eyes and our vision are our navigation in the material, spatial, temporal world, but in the spiritual world of w- the greater world of which we are part, we really navigate with the heart. Like there's there's studies on uh, where they show people slides, and if it's a beautiful slide of a scenery or something, there's no reaction. The body doesn't react to it. There's no stress response. But if they show a slide of a fire, a snake, or an injured person, something that shows danger, there'll be this autonomic, sympathetic, adrenal kind of response, stress response, the fight or flight or fright response. And the very the interesting thing that they noticed about that in these studies is that the response came before the slide. So there's a retrocausal, reverse time causality where the future is able to communicate to the past self, the future self, to the past self, like a warning before it would seem possible on a on a conventional level of thinking. And they 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 tweaked the studies to the point where they could find out that the the body's response actually happened even before the computer ran the program to with a n- random number generation to decide which slide was going to be shown. So it literally is proven to be a retrocausal effect, cause and effect. And they looked at where does that where does that response show up? Well, it shows up in the brain, but even before that, it shows up in the heart. So our heart. By its nature, we know from Oriental medicine, the heart is is it's the emperor. It's the it's the seat, the 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 home of the spirit, the Shen. Uh, that's the spirit we see in people's eyes. Uh, so uh, 
that develops you know into wisdom in the the wood element of the eyes and the liver uh so the heart is something that we all could do more to to stay centered in you know for in our body we can go into our minds and the brain is kind of uh can be a harsh master like fire you know it but when the heart charge it keeps everyone in in consideration what is your understanding and idea of peace dr glenn peace the best word i can think of as a scientist would be coherence uh and, and it's the energy pattern that we see in heart centered emotions like love that they're coherent that they they are sustainable in, indefinitely infinitely across time that they they're communicated infinitely across space so they're transcendent so peace is something that transcends you know the separation the division the the you know us versus them or you know conflict the material can conflict you know one sword can clash against another but the uh, if we could think of a uh, the equivalent in the spirit let's say like a, a thought a, a sword an idea that can uh, that, that can cut and divide and separate maybe good from bad uh to to uh uh to to judge the world in the sense of that we have to in terms of our navigation that we have to say well is that safe to you know to bring my children over there you know with that group of people or do i want to avoid that and and uh, stay at home uh so those the 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 tools of the spirit can can intersect like two ideas if we if you and i have a different idea a different definition of a word or a concept we can we can share those in the same space without clashing where the, the physical world you know we might come to fisticuffs <laughs> like you can't be in the same space i am i'm sitting in that chair you can't sit there at the same <laughs> <laughs> i love that too i never heard it that way it makes so much sense to me that Peace, so this idea of peace transcends differences in separation. So I'm almost at the end of my warm-up questions. I have another one here about God. What, where, and who is God to you? To me, God is is in us, but more than that, we are in God. That we are cells in God's body. God at source of all that is. You know, all we know is the universe. That's a creation of God comes from that source through God's intention, God's consciousness, God's gift to us. Uh, the, the the idea of creation of the Big Bang, I think of as the the big gift. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> whether that was was time or beyond time, doesn't particularly matter to me. And and you know, we can look at theories and and debate those. But but everything comes from one source. It's a universe. It's a oneness. The background energy of of space is unified across the entire universe. Every electron is identical in its function, its its consciousness, its memory of how to be, how to act. You know, every magnesium atom is completely identical in, in function, and yet each one, like each of us as human beings, has the uniqueness of of its history. So it has a memory. In the information space of its exact history, and maybe this magnesium atom is becoming part of, of me, but it's been part of other human beings as well. It's been in the ocean. It's been, you know, in in rocks. Uh, it's been magnesium that makes tree leaves green. So, uh, so there's, uh, 
there's that that unity and diversity, unity in in the unique. There's the uniqueness of each of us. That's that's really a, a a key aspect of understanding God. That God isn't about everything being the same. You know, it's like if we think of the opposite of you know the the spiritual idea of of uh, of a, a Satan, which there's the idea of the smallest Satan that we each have that that opposes that unity of of divine. Uh, energy within us. That's really the energy of sameness, of wanting to have, you know, if anything, Satan wants to have an army that's all dressed in uniforms and all marching in lockstep and all using the same gun. That's wonderful. You know, if, if, if you want to, you want to destroy life, we have, you know, very efficient ways of destroying life and, and that. But God's army is is us unique. The saints are completely unique individuals. Everyone is is you know a, a different blossom of the possibility of personality and has a unique history, unique unique challenges that led to the the blossoming of their spirit. Yeah, and that's wonderful, isn't it? All these colors. Yeah. And do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Most certainly. Uh, it's always been a challenge for me as an individual to to be religious in a, in a very regular way. And I'm not opposed to it. And I really appreciate traditions from uh, many cultures, you know, have their wisdom uh, that we can learn from. Uh, but just as a person, it's hard for me to 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 establish routines and keep them. I'm, I'm very exploratory. I'm, I'm always changing how I do things and I'm learning from that. Uh, but but I do believe that that there's spirituality to be found in both of those kinds of paths of of you know sort of the free spirit who's who's seeking truth and you know what is God God is love God is beauty God is light God is there's all these different sayings and they're all different facets of that one gem of our source uh, so you know there's it's like saying there's there's maybe many paths in one mount, mountain. Uh, I don't think all paths are the same. I think they're all unique and different. And uh, we have the have the the gift of free will, of choice to navigate and find our way and to, to learn our own lessons along the way. How did you become a wizard of wellness? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> a, a lot of experience and, and uh, of years growing my beard, I guess, is... is <laughs> Yeah, that helps, <laughs> that concept, right? <laughs> yeah, I've studied many different techniques and, and I synthesize out of that my own thinking and approach. I'm always asking questions like, I love how you ask the big questions. I really like asking the big questions like, well, what is time? If there's these studies show there's retro, if there's saints who have visions of the future that come true, if there's prophecy, if, if there's retro causality and human perception and psychological studies now, what is time? It's not an arrow. Oh, it's not a linear arrow. It's at least a, it's a two-way arrow, if if nothing else. Uh, yeah. So so lots of contemplation, I would say, and lots and lots and lots of years and hours and minutes and moments spent uh, as a, a medical empath, uh, tuning into remote clients or local clients, measuring, studying, learning how to ask how to ask the body what's happening in the healing process and listening for the answers rather than staying in the mind and thinking, well, I know the diagnosis, I've figured that out. And now here's the protocol, here's the cookbook for treating that. You know, I was trained in Western medicine, but uh, I, I could never be 
contained by it. So what is the inspiration and intention to do the work you do, Dr. Glenn? Well, I, I, I've always been, I grew up in a family that was oriented to alternative medicine. This is back in the 1950s when that wasn't a thing so much, <laughs> at least it was classmates. Like when I'd look at them and say, why are you eating white bread? Don't you know that'll kill you? And they're like, look, okay, I have two heads or I'm, you know, man from Mars or something. <laughs> yeah. but a little tiny kid holding my mom's hand, you know, my hands up in the air to reach hers. And we're going around to like four or five different grocery stores to find one that would have this stuff that she called yogurt. And most of the stock boys were like, looked at us like we were from another planet and like never heard of that. And finally found one store that had yogurt, or you know, it was plain yogurt, which is actually what we wanted. And that's all there, you know, which was back then as a starter, our own, or, you know, I was raised on goat's milk because I was allergic to cow's milk because our, our family doctor was holistic and knew that that's what was going on. So go to this farm and get the goat's milk. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. What is self-healing and what promotes self-healing? Well, we know if we, you know, if, if you cut your finger, it heals itself. We can put a Band-Aid on it. We could take, you know, something for the pain. It's not going to make it heal. It's the body itself that heals. So it's acknowledging the fact that healing is self-healing. All healing is self-healing. But that there's things that slow it down and things that speed it up. You know, if, if I have that cut, and maybe I, I think a Band-Aid's going to help and I leave it on there and it's kind of moist underneath and maybe it gets infected because of that too much moisture and needed to scab and dry and, and heal itself. It, maybe it knew even a better way. Or maybe the Band-Aid helped to keep dirt out so it didn't get infected. Uh, so there's, there's our actions can accelerate that healing especially by, by uh, as I was saying, as, as an empath, I can think about a person. I have their photograph. I know their history, their symptoms. So I'm thinking about them. My body will take on the information patterns of their body at that time, and I can use that to read my body's response to different signals, signals of for example, tissue samples from different organs in the body. If I get a stress response to liver tissue, healthy liver tissue, I know that their liver is stressed. And then if that stress response clears, becomes coherent again, goes into a peaceful state again with a certain nutrient or herb, then I know that that's therapeutic. It's beneficial. It's something their body can use. So it's a matter of uh, I think of, of Mother Teresa and a quote from her. She was asked by uh, a reporter uh, about prayer because, you know, she fam was famously a very prayerful person. And I said, well, what is, what is it like to, to pray to God? What's, you know, what's the conversation like? And, you know, and she, and she said, well, mostly I listen. I thought, that's interesting to contemplate. It's an interesting, not the answer that you expect, but it certainly makes sense. It's like, yeah, huh? And prayer isn't all about, hey, God, do this for me. You know, it's like, uh, and and then and then her follow-up question was, well, and 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 what is what does God say? And she says, mostly he listens. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so certain comforts, a certain peace, a certain reciprocity or symmetry or you know mirroring on there 
So speaking of prayer, it's meditation part of the healing process when you are working with clients or patients? It is, and not in a not typically in a in a religious sense of a, a certain form. To me, meditation personally is to live meditatively. If I'm if I'm at our farm here and I'm I'm working with the rocks and the trees and the soil, to me it's it's I love it because it's a meditative activity and my mind is freed to contemplate, you know, these other questions I have about healing and the nature of the soul or whatever. Um, so and 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 in the in, in the you know, personal experience of of the healing process, absolutely. When I have a, if I have pain, for example, I find the most healing way of relating to that pain is meditation, is to move into the pain, to to actually encompass and surround the pain with a meditative, loving, healing intention and awareness. Uh, as opposed to the other choices is, is, you know, to divide ourselves from the pain, to try to shrink away from the pain. It makes our, our spirit s- smaller. Uh, and, and we don't, I think, get the same growth from it. We don't get the same healing from it. When our mind goes to the pain and surround, some people visualize surrounding it with white light, you know, whatever the, the, the specific process might be. Sending the mind, the consciousness, the awareness to sense that, to fill that space that surrounds the point of pain, which is understood in Oriental medicine as a blockage of energy flow. In my model, my understanding, we're sending spirit minerals there, the, these condensates of consciousness, the soul, the spirit body is actually through wormholes of space time from the mind, from the brain area, sending this connection, connectivity to that place and literally bridging that blockage and allowing the energy to flow through the consciousness and therefore flowing around the area that's physically, mechanically, biologically, chemically blocked. And and that helps to uh, not only to reduce the pain, but to, to speed the healing. Would be a wonderful thing if most of us understood it and practiced. It's all there is in a way, just listening. Meditative process, that's what it does. We listen. Is there any conditions that you find that's necessary to take those conventional medicines, those drugs? Would you say that for some conditions, it might be too late to uh, use some of your methods? I would say it's never too late to use the methods we're using. I think that first, you know, the, the Hippocratic Oath is to first do no harm. And we do things that do no harm in the realm of stimulating the body to heal, supporting to heal with, with nutrients and herbs, and or even substituting, gently substituting, you know, if, if the adrenal hormones are low, we'll use some over-the-counter 7-keto or other uh, safe low levels of, of actual hormones. Uh, where, and, and, um, we're never opposed to, uh, you know, a, a coaching client, a, a consulting client, uh, making their own choices of how to navigate the medical system. Uh, there's certainly people who are trying their darndest to avoid drugs and surgery, and I completely understand and, and align with that. And we also work with many who are already maybe on on eye drops for glaucoma. We don't tell them to, to go off of those drops. That is between them and the prescribing physician. Uh, we don't want to get involved in the 
you know, the man's law system of, of threats and threats and, and coercion. Uh, and yet we recognize that they exist. So, you know, we're here to fulfill all the laws, you know, but, but actually the laws, uh, the divine laws, the laws of nature, of our nature, that, that who knows, we don't know, we can never know, you know, technically in science, we can never know that something cannot be healed. And, and, and I always ask the question, what is, what is success? We had a, worked with a man who uh, came, came from a very rough life uh, in, in Boston, very heavy smoker and drinker. He was dying of cancer, metastatic cancer. He was in all kinds of pain when he arrived here on the island to, to, to pass with his, his daughter and son-in-law. And uh, he, he was already on morphine, still in pain. And, and the doctors said, you have three months to live. So he came to Hawaii to die. And uh, the, the, his family here put him on, on juice fasting, you know, a Gerson-type program, very intensive healing support, you know, not necessarily with the idea that, well, you know, we're hope- well, of course, we always hope that things will heal and you have a longer life, but it, it, to do what we can to support the body to heal itself. Well, what they were able to do, and we were also supporting with natural remedies and the, the, the coaching and consulting that we do. And in three months that he was supposedly going to be dead, he was actually off morphine and pain-free. He was still dying of cancer, but he was having quality of life where he was pain-free, conscious, not on morphine, and with family. And the actual day, he lived for about six months total. And the day that he passed, he was sentient enough that he knew that was the day. And he asked, stay home with him. Don't please, you know, stay with me. Don't go to work today. And at, at about noon, he passed in a conscious state. Now, we don't really know from life and from any science we can do here what the effects of passing consciously might do for us in that transition, but I have a feeling it's a good thing. So to me, that's a success. You know, our life is a success if we've lived it uh, the, as full as, as we can, get as much, as much joy and love in it as we can. Talk to me a bit more about what you do exactly. What's the process? You can be from distance. They don't need to go to Hawaii to see you. What are the people, what are the cases that you can help? Well, we help people. We work with the whole person, occasionally animals, but mostly people. And animals are fun and children are fun because they're simpler and they respond so quickly. But uh most many of the people that we're working with, because of the books I've written on blinding eye diseases and natural therapies, are are referred, uh, you know, with glaucoma or cataracts or macular degeneration, dry eye, other other uh, blinding eye diseases, and uh, but also, you know, they they're whole people and they have they may have issues with their circulation, their digestion, their nerve function, you know, uh, uh, immunity, etc. And, and all of those are critical support systems for the eyes to be healthy. So uh, I see no way of, of healing the eyes mm-hmm. is insulation from the body. <laughs> Everything's connected, yeah. Connected. And so we wind up with also referrals from other clients or even from the doctor, the eye doctors that refer to us of their, their challenging patients who may not even have a specific eye disease but they have some kind of a health mystery or challenge that they are, haven't found a, a resolution to. And, and we, we see a lot of improvement in most, most cases. You know, there's some, some cases, you know, maybe we don't have the answers yet either, but we're always looking. 
Uh, a lot of the inspiration comes from you know people with unique challenges that come to us, and I uh, dive into the research of natural medicine of hey, what what's supposed to help with this, and we formulate our own products because we found there just aren't products on the market that have all of the possible solutions in one in one capsule or one tablet. We don't use tablets, but but uh, liquids sometimes or powders that you mix into. And and my theory on that, why we have so many ingredients in our products, uh, none of those ingredients, by the way, are additives, excipients, colorings, you know, artificial colorings or flavors or anything like that that might do harm. But uh, all herbal and nutritional, all the highest potency and quality that we can get. Uh, by having, say, 30 different things in a formula for, let's say, for gastroesophageal reflux, GERD, uh, that was inspired by a client that was having that issue, and and so I did the research and I said, well, look, there's 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 a few main ingredients that that are supposed to really work well, but there's no product that has them has them both of those pathways covered in one product, and then there's all these other things that 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 help a bit or should help or you know that that are natural and and uh, non toxic, so we put them all together, so it might be a little lower dose than another product on one of those uh, key ingredients. But the fact that there's some in there, in my research, I find that 85% of the healing response that the body makes to the presence of a medicine or remedy that's therapeutic, that's healing, 85% is just to its presence at all. Just like in homeopathy, having a little bit, having the signal, the information, that energetic signal there, it's like Oh, now the body's tuned to that station and, and it's going to dance to that tune, you know? <laughs> right. I actually have reflux and I'm interested now in your products. What is the website, Dr. Glenn? I will post it, but please mention as well. Yeah, we have a, a new website called remedymatch.com that makes it easy to find. Like, let's say if you go there and you type in the search box in the upper right, uh, type in G-E-R-D, and search, and it'll pull up any remedies that uh, you know I've keyed, keyed those keywords into, or if it's in the title, or if it's in the ingredients, so you can search ingredients that way too. I take a lot of supplements, natural ones, and do you have protein too, like pumpkin protein powder? That's a big project that I'm working on right now. We have I've identified a handful of different proteins that that we do have available. And I will be, my intention is we'll be also working on a complete uh, a complete fasting support with complete nutrition, vitamins and minerals along with the protein. We use for, as a medicine this way, we, we mostly use pre-digested, enzymatically digested proteins. So the amino acids are all able to be absorbed without the digestive tract having to do any work, whether it's because you're fasting and you want it to be healing itself uh, because it's not working and we need amino acids in, in order to make those enzymes and also to make cellular enzymes. So one of the big problems we see with, with fasting is where it's, if it's not a protein-sparing fast, if there's no protein uh, or if there's protein but the person can't digest it properly, then we can actually deplete our, our body proteins, whether it's muscle mass, the person can lose muscle, and that's not good. Say they're trying to lose weight, so they fast. But now they're losing muscle mass, but that has a higher metabolism than the fat that they want to lose. 
or if it's a person with cellular metabolism issues and we don't want to lose any of those cellular enzymes because those are the little amplifiers that get the work of the cell done efficiently. So you're working on that. We have pre-digested pea protein, pre-digested whey protein, pre-digested white fish protein, which is an old Norwegian uh, medicine called uh, Secure. Uh, and then we that I do have in a, a formulation, Secure Synergy, where we've added other synergistic ingredients to increase the absorption. That's one that's that's known in the natural health field to help people who can't gain weight, people who are underweight. Uh, you know, that's a, a real problem solver. Sounds really good. I'll take a look at it, and I'll have the website here too. Thank you so much. And I have a few more questions for you. Before that, would you like to add anything or um, read a passage from one of your books? I was just going to say, you know, the, so the remedymatch.com site is great for exploring the remedies that, that we've created out of all this, you know, 38 years of experience. Um, and then if, if somebody needs coaching and consulting, there's links from there. But the basic, there's a different site where we have our application for for consulting and that's at tryunity.net that's t r y like i you know there's the the in star wars there is no try but <laughs> worth trying is unity <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's great and then forward slash application is the the uh form to get in touch with us share a little bit about yourself and and we can uh Offer people a free uh, discovery session where we'll explore with them, you know, what might be uh, the right approach. See if it's something that feels right to them. Yeah, it sounds really good. I think I have a, a client for you already. <laughs> My final questions. What is another word for healing? Another word for healing is spiritual growth. And, and another definition, another perspective of healing is time travel. Because when we're healing, we're going into the past to correct something that went wrong. You know, even if it's like an old thing, you know, how does cancer start? Well, it starts with injury to tissue. So we have scar tissue that's an area where there's a lack of proper flow of circulation, flow of energy. Uh, it's not as strong as the original tissue, but more the, the flow of energy and, and, and information and fluids is a key. And so it's a backwater. And now every time we're exposed to toxins, if we can't eliminate them all, they get stuck in those backwaters. And so that's how it takes time for that to develop. But if we're really going to heal the, the reason that, that cancer is growing in that spot, we're going to want to heal the, the scar. And, and another way of looking at cancer is it's a type of scar, kind of like a keloid is an overgrown scar, but it's a toxic wow. But it's toxic, right? That's interesting. I never heard it that way. There was an analysis of cancer studies done where they found that the people who actually lived the longest had no radiation, chemotherapy, or surgery. Their body was self-healing. And it doesn't, you know, that we can't do something more or some therapy. But it, to me, it means that, that all three of those conventional therapies are known carcinogens. So... <laughs> And, and there's now studies on breast cancer that where they documented why, you know, so many people, once they've been through medical treatment, they the cancer will come back and grow faster and not respond to treatment is because it really tends to kill the weaker cells, the weaker the ones that are just sort of the benign uh, 
the benign tumor cells are more like a scar tissue, but it actually increases the number of, of cancer stem cells, which are the ones that are more virulent that grow back faster. And so uh, it increased those 36-fold in the study that they did on breast cancer. And it's, I'm sure, very similar with other types of cancer. Yeah, there's so much that we need to learn. And I absolutely agree with the alternative medicine as a prevention, actually, because the healing might be too late in the case of advanced stages of cancer or other conditions. So they need the help of both, perhaps, conventional and alternative. But I love the idea of prevention. And, and absolutely having input from both perspectives to me is so critical because the beauty of Western medicine is the ability to see inside the body, to see them, to measure the chemical levels, to, to visualize the, the structure of the body. Uh, and, and to get that perspective is, you know, and, and to use that for monitoring the condition and selectively, you know, on an individual basis, according to your needs and, and what makes sense to you and what you're drawn to. You know, if we realize, as I was saying earlier, that our spirit actually our future is our future self, it, it knows what path. So to use our intuition, if your intuition is, oh, I, I like this doctor, I trust this surgeon, I, I'm, I'm going to go with that, there's a, a good reason to trust our own intuitions. And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that there's more to it than is obvious. Like the, the materialist view that all there is is what we can see and measure, that I know for sure that there's more than what we can measure and touch and see. You know, the, the consciousness, we can't measure the consciousness, but we can experience it. And in, in, as a vision scientist, we learn how to, how to indirectly measure it through psychophysics, the, through the person's own experience. So, and that was really the first thing when I went to, into practice after finishing school with my father and, and, and uh, practicing for a couple of years in Japan. And I came back to New York, worked with my dad, and he said, well, you've you know, you've completed your degree, you've gotten your license, that means you're ready to start learning. You, you've got to, you've learned enough that the state says, you know, you can practice now. But everything else, you'll learn from your patients. So listen to them. And it's so true. So much, you know, each person has their experience. Well, what, you know, what, what, what health issues have you faced? And what helped you? If something helped a person, to me, an anecdote is data, you know? Okay, interesting, good, good to know. Put that in the list of possibilities. I love that word too, learning possibilities, right? And I know that the purpose of life, learn how to love. And that, that it's easier to love some people and some things than others. And so that's a good place to practice, to start. Thank you so much for your presence and your deep wisdom in your healing scientific knowledge. Thank you so much. Most of all, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Dr. Glenn. Sharing with you. Where can we find more information about you, your work, your books, products, services, and future projects? Right. We've got about a dozen websites, but to start, the great place is to look at uh, some of the, the products that we've created and, and healing devices and at remedymatch.com just like uh, the two words, like it sounds, remedymatch.com. And then try Unity, T-R-Y, and the word Unity, 
dot net is uh, I've got a lot of writings on there. Uh, so you can, uh, you know, put it, put in search queries at the bottom right of the page. Uh, and, and if you want to speak directly with me and, and uh, explore what we might be able to do for you, uh, go to the application page, tryunity.net forward slash application. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Dr. Glenn. Aloha. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Glenn Swartout, please visit his website, remedymatch.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.